Good morning, my peace saints. I am Pulamons, and this is The Resting Place. So welcome to everyone and a special welcome to those of you who are joining me on this platform for the first time. This is a Bible-based podcast for women and simply because the examples that are being used on this platform are based on the struggles of a woman. But for anybody who wishes to learn how to live a rested life in Christ, the messages in here are absolutely relevant. So today I'm going to be talking to from the book of Esther chapter 1 verse 19. And the subject of my message is, there is no grace for sin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we invite you in this place, take charge and control, Papa. Not my will, but yours be done, Father God. Use me as the vessel to share a message with your children, Lord, in this moment. And I pray for the ear and the heart that is listening to this message right now. Open the spiritual ear, Mudimaka, so that it is able to receive and make the heart soft soil so that the seed that is planted in it may find root and grow father god and once all of that is done seal your word in our hearts lord seal your word in our spirits and souls so that we don't forget what we hear in this place so that we don't forget the teachings that you are giving us from this platform I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. So Esther chapter 1 verse 19 reads, If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered that Vashti shall come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let king let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So the background of this verse that we are on right now, the king had a feast for all his princes and everybody that is important that was important uh, in his provinces right in his kingdom so after a certain number of days of feasting at the end of the feast the king decided you know what he wants to show off his wife and that is vashti so vashti was the queen so the king ordered that Vashti come to him so that he can present her to everybody who was there, show off her beauty. But when the command reached Vashti, Vashti refused, refused to go to the king at his command. 
So the king got so furious, he couldn't believe what was happening. And he called up all his um, advisors and they sat around the table and they were telling him that this is unacceptable. There's no way a, a queen can go against the king's command and not suffer the consequences. And they additionally said, you know, if we let King Queen Vashti do this, then it means it will be sending a message to all women in all our provinces that they can just disrespect their husbands in their own homes. So the, the advisors then said, you know what, let it, verse 19, let the king send out a decree, a law, that will tell everyone that with immediate effect, that's me paraphrasing, <laughs> but with immediate effect, Vashti will no longer be queen because she disobeyed the king in front of all the king's subjects. You know, I've been reading the book of Esther for a couple of years now, the beginning of this month, July 2021, I went into a fasting period. And as I went in, the book of Esther was the book that God put in my heart to study during that fast. For the first time in over 10 years of reading the scripture, I saw Vashti. You know, I was always so excited to get to Esther's story that Vashti was just a by the way for me for years. But for the first time, beginning of July, during my fasting, did I recognize Vashti. And for the first time, I saw Vashti without being judgmental that, oh my gosh, she was so disobedient. But in any case, it was God's, um, it was God's uh, will that she be disobedient so that Esther can sit on the throne. That was my attitude. I was very judgmental towards Vashti. And I saw her as a by the way to this story, this beautiful story of this orphan Esther who gets to, to sit on the throne in a foreign land for that matter. So that's what excited me about this book. But when God drew my attention to Vashti, Vashti, I found myself in that moment having so much compassion for her. You know, I started thinking about who I am in that moment. And I realized that I've been judging Vashti, but actually she acted in the same way probably I would have acted, depending on what kind of mood she was in. Maybe she was having a period. She, was, she didn't feel beautiful enough to be um, presented to everybody. 
Maybe she was going through a lot. I mean, there had been feasts in her palace. That means she was busy for days. So many decisions that she had to make in the background while the king was celebrating with his people, the men in the community. She was busy making sure that the food is available, the drinks are available, they are not running out of supplies. She was making decisions about whether there are cleaners around who make sure that everything is clean. After dinner, everything is packed up nicely. I mean, she had so many responsibilities during the, 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 the days of the feast. So, it stands to reason that towards the end, she herself is exhausted. She doesn't feel like dressing up to be presented in front of everybody. So she said, no, I'm not coming. I'm tired, for example, <laughs> right? But where my compassion came in was the fact that because of that one mistake, she was dethroned because of just one mistake. I kept asking God, but why didn't the king, as he was getting upset, send a message again to Vashti to say, you know what? If you don't come right now, you will suffer the consequences of the decision that you're making. You know, I'm sure that she didn't really expect to be dethroned just because of that one silly mistake after taking responsibility of such a huge feast over so many days, doing everything that is good for so many days and just one mistake that she makes, she's dethroned. I felt, but God, that is a very harsh punishment. And that was the first time I ever looked at it like that. I said, but Lord, you know, I'm so sure that if Vashti knew the consequences of her response, she would have said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm coming. I was just tired, but I'm sorry, I'm coming now. But she never got that chance. And you know, beginning of this month, God allowed me to go through that, to see compassion, in, to have compassion rather for Vashti. But this week, as I was preparing for this podcast, and again, I felt compassion again. Now that I've recognized it, I felt compassion for Vashti. God said to me, of course, you have compassion for a sin that you refuse to let go of. <laughs> sure, that hit me so much in my spirit. Of course, you've got compassion for a sin that you yourself, Bula, refuse to let go of. How many times have I told you to do things and you just totally disregard my orders? And you disregard my orders because you believe that you have grace for your sin. There is grace for your sin. That's why you keep going back 
to doing the same thing that I'm telling you to stop doing. Oh, that's why you continue to disobey my orders. I tell you to do something, you just don't do it. It's because you believe that you've got grace for your sin. But I'm, I just wanted to let you know that there is no grace for sin. You know, God took me to Jesus' life on earth. He says, I placed Jesus Christ on this earth to be an example to you. To show you how you are supposed to live on this earth. But I said, Lord, but you know, the things that Christ did, I mean, he had no fault on this earth. He says, that's exactly what I expect of you. A life with no sin. And that's the reason why I'm giving you my grace. Because in your natural state, a life with no sin is impossible. But when you start having my grace to live a sin-free life, then all of a sudden, you are able to do what I say you must do on this earth. Christ had my grace. That's how, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. This means <laughs> there's something good to this message. Christ had God's grace. Hence, Christ did no sin. So why would I give you Christ who was perfect but walking on this earth and tell you he is the example of how you should live your life and turn around and give you grace for sinning? It doesn't make sense. There is no grace to sin. The grace that I've given you is to enable you to live a righteous life that Christ lived on this earth. In your natural state, you will be unable, it is impossible for you to live as Christ. But when you start inviting my grace into it, then my grace is the ability to it gives you the ability to live a righteous life that I expect of you. So you keep disobeying me. You keep directly disobeying my orders. As if I don't exist in your life. Because You've got false hope that the grace that I've given you is for you to keep making mistakes and I'm going to give you a grace. He said, grace is for righteous living. Baptism, the first baptism of John, <laughs> that is for the forgiveness of sins. When you were baptized, you were forgiven your sins. Then you started living on this earth. 
and I expect you to live as Christ lived. So because I know in your natural state, you will be unable to live that kind of life. Then I brought my grace when I brought Christ. He was an example that was filled with grace as well. He was an example and he brought grace so that you are able to live a righteous life now that you're no longer a sinner. That's why you need the baptism first before you enter into a space of grace because grace speaks to people who want to live a righteous life. So I give you grace as you are working your way to this righteous life. If you're struggling with forgiveness, then as you invite him, my, my grace in that moment, then I start helping you to deal with the things that you're going through so that you're able to forgive. I give you my grace in order for you to obey me. <laughs> Grace is to enable us. It is to enable us to obey God. It was never about sin. It was never about forgiving sin. Forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of sins happened when we were being baptized. And then beyond this life of grace, of righteousness, then Christ's salvation follows on the cross. Then Christ's salvation for us, rather, on the cross followed. There is no grace for sin. And you know, because God had been working with me for since January, saying one thing. Look at Abraham. Everything that I told him, he did. You know, when I went to study the life of Abraham, the common theme that I found, especially with regards to the things that God directly ordered him to do. The Bible speaks of things like Abraham did that very same day, that very next day, or the very next day, he hurried, he quickly, he hastened. God says, and that's how I know that Abraham fears me. Abraham recognizes me. Abraham references me as God. Genesis 22, 12. God said about Abraham. For now I know that you fear me, that you fear God. That's how it reads. For now, I know that you fear God. Why? Because he hastened, he hurried at God's command. Even though he did some of the things that he's, he did, 
is still hurried at God's strict commands. But how many of us have dedicated our lives who call ourselves children of God to obeying God when he speaks? You know, God has been teaching me about that since the beginning of the year. And it's not the first time he's teaching me the same thing. And yet, time and time again, I keep failing. I keep disregarding God's laws. I keep disregarding God's commandments. How many of us really have given our lives to God? <laughs> you know, we think we have grace for sin. You know, I thought I had grace for sin. I thought it doesn't matter how many times I disobey God and blatantly so, it doesn't matter. But the grace of God is sufficient. And that is the reason why I, I, I just didn't change. That is the reason why I'm not in a hurry to do what God instructs me to do. I mean, he's taught me through so many uh, speakers. I mean, I've bumped into so many speakers on YouTube who are talking about times and seasons. How many of you listening to this message right now have listened to messages about time and season that everything that God does, does in a specific appointed time. And yet when he instructs us to do something, We'll say, um, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it when the situation allows me right now. This, whatever it is, Lord, that you are asking me to do will be an inconvenience to my plans. I will do it in December when I'm done with everything that I'm doing right now. How many of us have had messages on seasons and times, appointed time? of God and yet we are flippant about disobeying him it is no issue to us <laughs> you know I've heard a saying that says delayed obedience is still disobedience <laughs> You know, I thought I knew what this meant. But this week, God said to me, your actions clearly show that you don't understand what that line means. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. You know, this thing is imprinted in my mind. But my spirit does not know it at all. My spirit is not receiving this message that delayed obedience is still disobedience. Just wanted to check with you. How are you faring with regards to that line? 
Is it the first time you're hearing this? If it's not the first time, have you changed your life of obedience or disobedience rather? Are you now the kind of person who's like Abraham, who hasten, who hurries? That very same day when God says do something, you do it. Now that you know this line that says delayed obedience is still obedience. Or are you like me? You are still sitting in the comfort of grace for my sin. Grace for your sin. There's no grace for sin, God said to me. You know, I felt compassion for Queen Vashti. But when God showed me that there is no grace for sin, he led me to the scripture. He said, you see, when I tell you to do something at a, a time that I'm telling you to do it, there is a window of opportunity. There is a window of grace and anointing that I open up during that season when I tell you to do something, on that day when I tell you to do something. But when you don't do it, I close that window of grace and anointing. And you then get surprised two weeks later when you decide to obey something that I asked you to do two weeks back. Why you are struggling? You then come to me and say, but God, you know, I am doing what you said I must do, but why am I struggling? <laughs> It is because the grace and the anointing that was attached to that command at that time is no more. On that day, when I didn't obey God, when you didn't obey God in that season, when he kept on saying, forgive, 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 and we refused, we refused to listen. We were dethroned of the grace that God had given us to do the work that he had said we must do. In that season, we were dethroned of the anointing that came with that instruction. Now God is busy dealing with obedience. But I want now the grace that he's giving me now to be obedient to him. To be awarded to something that he instructed me to do last season, which is forgiveness. So God has moved away from forgiveness. He's now dealing with obedience in the season. But because I didn't forgive in the season when he said I must forgive, now I'm in the season of obedience, but I'm dealing with I mean, forgiveness. I'm dealing with trying to be a person who forgives. And I try and do it. 
I try and scream to God, but he says, I've dethroned you. At the time that you are busy dealing with something that I instructed you to do a season ago, a day ago, realize that in that moment you will struggle because God's grace and anointing is not in it. So at that moment when we decide to come back and obey God, we must realize that the first thing that we must ask of God is his grace and anointing to do what he instructed us to do. You know, for Queen Vashti, it was embarrassing, I can imagine, for her. She got shocked. Like, how can I be dethroned? After being so faithful to this king, after working so hard to be a perfect queen, I mean, this is the first time we are hearing of a, a disobedience from Queen Vashti. We don't know how life was. So we can take it from face value that up until this point, she had been a very obedient <laughs> Queen. So this speaks to the fact that just because last year I was a woman that gave her life to God, when God said I must do something, I did it. When God said I must do something, I did it. And at the time that he said I must do it, it doesn't mean that this year I'm still the queen. I still have the crown from my obedience from last year. <laughs> it doesn't mean just because last month God said I must do something and I did it immediately. Now that he's saying I must do something, I've got leeway because I still have the crown of that previous proper obedience. It doesn't matter how many times I have been obedient, like really obedient to God in the seasons that he expected me to, obedient, to be obedient. If I'm disobedient now, in this moment, it's possible to get dethroned. It's possible to, for God to take away his grace it's possible for god to take away his anointing because he said you know what if people will not will not bow down to me if people will not save me i'll raise up these stones so god is not in need of us in order to do his work every time we disobey him every time we sin against him It is a problem. And unfortunately, as Christians today, we don't see it as such. We believe that we've got grace for sin. Why would God give us grace for sin when he sent his perfect child to be an example of the kind of life that we must live? Because obviously when we get grace for sin, then it means he's giving us 
authority to sin. <laughs> but God said to me, you are busy disobeying me because you believe you've got grace for sin. The grace that I gave you is for you to be able to obey me at a time that I'm telling you to obey. God said, yes, of course, you will have compassion for Vashti because she's doing exactly what you are doing. She's just as stubborn as you are. But she was outwardly humiliated. She was embarrassed in front of everybody. She went home with nothing to her name. She went back to maybe poverty that she came back from. Simply because in one moment, she refused to be obedient to the king. So God said to me, recognize that that one moment of being disobedient, I can take away my grace I can take away my anointing and I will find another vessel that can do what I, I expected you to do. So never sit in the comfort of knowing that I gave you grace for sin. We must never sit in the comfort of lying to ourselves. False doctrine that tells us we've got grace for sin. <laughs> you know, for me, this was a huge revelation. Because the more God spoke in this season, ever since the year started, the more I've been ignoring him. You know, the more God gives me instructions, was the more I just ignored him completely, like he didn't say anything. And he said to me, you know, you are one person that loves, that honors men. When you make an appointment with people, you make sure that you are there at the appointed time. And yet with me, God, you see it fit to just not do what you committed to do. Do you really believe that I'm with you? Do you honestly believe that I, God, am with you? that I see you, that I see everything that you're doing. I hear everything that you're doing. I'm not just there for you, but I also see the disrespect, the disobedience that you have towards me. Do you really believe that I see you? God asked me. And I fell to my knees. I cried 
because for the first time really I recognized that I didn't believe <laughs> I didn't believe my actions have proved time and time again that I just don't believe that he is here with me if I did then I wouldn't be resting in the comfort of thinking that I've got grace to sin. So I just wanted to check with you, ladies. Where are you? <laughs> in this whole season where God expects his children to stand up and speak for his name's sake, where he expects us to be the vessels that he can use in the season. Where are you with regards to your obedience? Where are you with regards to your obedience? Because, you know, for me, <laughs> this message really convicted me. This message really showed me the cracks in my faith. And as I'm sitting here, you know, <laughs> recording this message, I'm still asking myself, do you really believe? Do you really believe that God hates, hates sin? He wouldn't give you grace for sin when he hates sin. Everything that is of God is promised to a righteous man. Not to people who are blatantly sinning because they believe they just can. Queen Vashti, at the first disobedience, she was dethroned. And you know, some of us are sitting, thinking that, you know, God spoke to me, this is my purpose. And maybe he spoke to you three years ago, and you're still hanging on to that word that you've got a purpose and this is your purpose, but you have done nothing with it. You keep talking about this gap in your soul because nothing will fulfill you. And you know that the only thing that will fulfill you is when you start pursuing your purpose and yet you're just sitting, thinking you will start when the situation allows you. Question is, do you even still have the crown of grace? Do you even still have the crown of the anointing? Or that you were dethroned already three years ago when you didn't do anything about what God was telling you to do? Are we still the queens of our own purpose. 
or have we been dethroned of the grace and anointing to do what God has called us to do on this earth? <sighs> Thank you. There is no grace for sin. But the grace that our Lord Jesus Christ brought on this earth was meant to enable us to live a life of obedience and righteousness that we wouldn't otherwise be able to live in our natural state. So, let us sin no more. Thank you, ladies.